Hello, and welcome to the podcast about Transformers comics, toys, and everything in between. I'm Onyx Prime with my two co-hosts here. Hi, I'm Computron. Hi, Kilobyte. And welcome to season two of the show. We're doing a special giveaway, so stay tuned until the end for details on how you can enter to win this amazing Transformers figure. Now, moving on with our comic discussion for today's episode takes us to IDW, Transformers, Death of Optimus, and More Than Meets the Eye, Volume 1. Woo! And as always, spoiler warning. So if you haven't read it already, we highly recommend you go back, read the comics, then listen to the podcast. Now, onwards. You all know the drill. This is the first time Kilobyte is reading the series, and we are excited to hear his thoughts. But before we can do that, let's hear some facts and trivias from our bud, our pal, our friend, Computron. Do you mind? All right. So for some facts, uh, for Death of Optimus Prime, that is, uh, this year that it was released was uh, 2012, uh, December 21st. And the writer was our personal favorite, James Roberts and John Barber. The artists were Nick Roche, and the colors were jo- were by Josh Burkham. So, trivia. An editorial note from Annie Schmidt quoted that in the TPB states that the original title of the issue was to be a schism, which was likely changed due to 2011's X-Men storyline of the same name. Okay, second one was, as many of the Decepticons are in new forms, some of which, you know, Starscream and Soundwave, are based on War for Cybertron versions of the character. While this sort of thing was, you know, commonplace under the previous ongoing series, IDW had said that it wouldn't happen going forward. Indeed, the Autobots are still in their Earth forms and only switch to Cybertronian forms later. It's especially odd considering the Decepticons have apparently been in prison since the end of Chaos. Bum, bum. Um, jumping into more than meets the eye because it's kind of like a split series here so more than meets the eye volume one facts uh so the number of comics there are there are three issues in this volume if you include death of optimus prime but yeah whatever interesting comic first issue was released january 11th 2012 and the third issue was released march 14th 2012 Writer, like I said, personal favorite, James Roberts. And the artist was Nick Roche and Alex Milne. And the colors by Josh Burkham. So, trivia. In issue one, Roberts claims that the hardest part about writing issue one was spelling the transformation sound phonetically. The, you know, sound is used when the nail was suffering from rigor morphous. And I said that right. And we'll talk about that later. <laughs> <laughs> In issue two, the last page included a summary of the crew members already introduced with short introductions beneath them. There includes factoids such as Swerve's weapon of choice is his mouth, Whirl was twice voted Autobots most likely to defect, and (laughs) Ultra Magnus was once smiled and had regretted it ever since. (laughs) The legislators... Keep saying 1984. Uh, This would be significant in the Skids arc and has a different meaning to what you think it does or to what you think it means. All right. So, Mr. Kilobyte, would you mind giving us a short summary of these comics? Will do. First off, Death of Optimus Prime. A confused and disoriented Optimus Prime awakens on what seems to be Cybertron. Though the planet is now convulsing with primordial energy, and is missing some of its characteristic features. And next up is More Than Meets the Eyes. 
Following Optimus Prime's departure from Cybertron, Rodimus publicly announces his intent to do likewise aboard the Lost Light, following the map found within the Matrix in hopes of locating the Knights of Cybertron. Where will this journey take us? Oh, I can tell you. <laughs> and as always, this information has been taken from the wiki. Fantastic. So that, both of you, thank you. That was a mouthful. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah? Let's, let's get into it. Let's start with Death of Optimus Prime. So uh, starting off, we uh, find and discover ourselves with Optimus, who died in Vector Sigma. But like always... He didn't actually die, or did he? But he wakes up elsewhere, and he's been missing, and we discover about three weeks. Killbyte, what what do you think? What's happening here? Um, when I was reading it, I thought we were going to be um, either in the dead universe, or it was going to be kind of Optimus going to different psyches, uh, and then eventually like waking up, so it would be all in his head. And uh, waking up, so gotcha. Yeah, that that would be an interesting perspective, though, right? Yeah, he he does mention that he's in Cybertron, but still, I thought he was going to be like the Dead Universe, or uh, Cybertron was there just because he he knew about it, and it was all kind of in his head, and so he was like filling gaps, uh, thing while he was lost somewhere else in the universe. Yeah, the first time I read this, I thought we were in the future on Golem Prime. I don't know why, but that's where I was. Because that's where we were last left off, right? In the yeah. season one of phase one. Computron, what's your thoughts of Primordial Cybertron? Yeah, looks familiar, but uh, I don't know. Like, it, it looked interesting to begin with to see like Cybertron kind of submit with life. And at that point where he didn't know if he was like, in the past or the future, and that he was talking about how... like one of the moons were missing. I'm like, oh, so he went into the past and then he just suddenly walks into town and is just like, nope, he's just three weeks in the future. I'm like, yeah. okay, man. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, right. Um, and like his first interaction kind of throws you off because someone says like, it's been millions of years or something. And then like someone else is like, it's only been three weeks. Yeah. <laughs> like what and was yeah. going on? <laughs> yeah. And in that first interaction, they call him Orion. Yeah. So I was like, "What?" But then it kind of makes sense because they, uh, the person he meets is a like a refugee. He left Cybertron uh, millions of years ago because of the war. So he probably knew Optimus by Orion at that time before he became Optimus. Let's talk about that a little bit more. So old Cybertronians are returning back to, well, Cybertron. Uh, what's your thoughts on that, uh, Kilobyte and Computron? You mean nails? <laughs> <laughs> yes. What what what's a nail, Computron? <laughs> a non-combat affiliated uh indigenous life form. Yeah, I think you added combat, but yes. I, I say combat because these guys literally did not participate in combat. No, they're they're <laughs> they lack in that area. I call them the kales. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, kilobyte, and you? I like it. Uh, I like seeing the new forms, especially the old Cybertronian forms. So I thought yeah. that was pretty cool. And uh, I feel like it's something they've never visited on, uh, like on the shows and the cartoons and stuff like that. So I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see more of uh, this this faction that was neutral all these years and now are wanting Cybertron back. Uh, yeah. And kind of like 
getting rid of all the the old guard to say right to yeah and one of the the major players in this faction not really a faction is metal hawk who when i was first reading this like i kind of like was on his side all of the time and he stands out and he'll he'll make a reappearance here and there what, what's your thoughts on metal hawk he's annoying <laughs> <laughs> he's a, oh come on he's a negative a negative I don't want to say negative Nancy, but like he was an, he was just the most negative guy. He was taking advantage of everybody's flaws. I'm like, dude, chill out, man. He's a politician. So that's, <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. <laughs> I I found it interesting that he had the same colors as uh, Die Atlas and the, the yeah. Circle of Light. So I was, yeah. I was like, mm, maybe he was part of them. And then he just branched off or they even kicked him out. Maybe he was too annoying. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's a little more yellow, right? But yes, yeah. I can see that. He, he's like the same palette of color, right? Yeah. So moving forward, B has done some interesting things since taking over Cybertron. Taking over, it's not really appropriate. Uh, leading Cybertron. He's imprisoned all of the Decepticons within the gun barrels of the fallen space station of Kimia. Rough. <laughs> That's all I can hey, say. Yeah, put them in their place, man. Oh my goodness, Computron. <laughs> <laughs> I bet it's a, I bet it's a mess in there. There, I don't know. Like it gave me a vibe that they were probably fighting. It's like an arena, and they're all just fighting each other because they have nothing else to do. Yeah, it was kind of like the old school, uh, like you know, uh, in Meg- Megatron Origins, where like they're, that's where they were. They were in the underground. Yeah, and now they're like, oh, back to the old drawing board. Here we go. <laughs> Yeah, that kind of sucks for the Decepticons. Like, they've fought four million years only to end up in the same place. I do like that uh, Cyclonus is in there with him, or with them. He's like, I don't belong here. I'm not one of them. Let me out. Right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor Cyclonus. Uh, so, later, Perceptor discovers that the Matrix of Leadership is actually a map. A map to the Knights of Cybertron. Dun, dun, dun. The plot thickens. What could this mean? I'm not spoiling anything, man. It's <laughs> <laughs> so hard to come up with theories because they, they do mention that the crystal, they thought it was a, a natural forming formation. Mm-hmm. And so it's synthetic now. And so that's why it has the roadmap. It has some words on the inside as well. Uh, so I, I don't know. I feel like either uh, well, not, one of the primes or somebody else with a different agenda either switched the original crystal and put that there so they can they can find it or them and uh, either reactivate them uh, either they did something bad and they are you know in stasis somewhere and it's just uh, like a plot to reactivate an evil bad and it'll create more chaos and it will help them yeah those that's a good interesting theory i think <laughs> we'll see if that's correct but we'll, yeah. we'll very interesting because yeah, it, it, it's hard to I don't know. I don't know how anybody else would find that inside the Matrix unless they sacrifice the Matrix, kind of like what Optimus did, right? I don't think anybody would look inside the crystal to just find a hidden message. Right, because it's been at least four million years. So yeah, we're just now discovering this map. Yeah. Which takes us to the conclusion of the death of Optimus, the, the, the volume, not he li- literally dies, but you know... <laughs> Optimus decides to exile himself, but first gives B and Rodimus each one half of the Matrix, because it splits in half, right? 
Kodai chap half of the meal. That's an interesting. I like how you just casually said you're just like yeah because it splits in half, right? Yeah, I guess. Well, in in, in the original eighty six, you pull it apart, right? It splits in half pretty much the same way, except it's also the crystal halves are split. You know. Yeah. 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 Casual. What's your thoughts of on his uh, decision making here? He's cutting his losses and ditching the kids, man. Wow. <laughs> That's what he's doing. He's going to the store to pick up some Turbo Fox milk, and he won't be back later. <laughs> this is Optimus's I'm going to the store to get a pack of cigarettes scene, okay? Yeah. I think it's interesting because they both have their own unique leadership styles. B is more to the book and Rodimus is more of what he wants to do, what he feels like he should do. Yeah, it definitely feels like the youngest versus the the oldest child. Yeah. So <laughs> we'll see where the this uh co-op leadership takes them. Yeah. Which ends up being splits us into two different volumes. We'll follow Rodimus in the More Than Meets the Eye volume, and we'll follow Bumblebee in the Robots in the Skies. Uh, speaking of which, um, shall we move to More Than Meets the Eye volume one? We shall. Yes. So uh, this is this is great. I love this entire volume here, guys. We open up <laughs> with Rodimus on Cybertron giving a speech to recruit a crew and explore the universe to find the Knights of Cybertron. And Prowl does the numbers and decides that the launch event won't be a big deal. We'll see about that, though. Uh, Prowl has some other plans, which he can't do without who, Kilo? Uh, he can't do it without the dual bots. The dual bots, but who else in particular he meets with? Chrome Dome? Yeah. Uh, really? I don't remember him talking to Chrome Dome. Oh my god. Yeah, he, he talks to Chrome Dome. And Rewind is there, and there's a whole big scene of how he can't do something without Chrome Dome, but Chrome Dome decides, like, no, I'm leaving. And yes. it's really funny, because, yes. like, he's trying to come up with these secret plans, and he noticed that, like, Rewind is recording the whole conversation. Yes, yes. I remember now. I kind of also want to bring up in that conversation, because this is going to be a little foreshadow. Mm-hmm. You notice how he's, like, um, your little friend, uh, you know, uh, Rewind is your best friend. And I'm like, yeah, sure. They're real best buddies. <laughs> They're just best friends. <laughs> <laughs> They're just friends. <laughs> I thought you were talking more towards the end. Oh, no, we're not there no, yet. Not, I'm, I'm now I understand more. where we are. Yeah. Okay, okay. Oh, you're getting ahead of, ahead of us yeah, here. <laughs> yeah, it just kind of throws me off. because there's, there's two plots with Prowl where he recruits people to do what he wants to do. <laughs> Just so. to, yes. <laughs> uh, which leads to a schism and uh, Prowl throws a fit that poor poor table. Mark down one for table and may that table rest in peace. <laughs> anyway, let's talk about some of the crew members of the Lost Light who decide or inevitably joins. Telegate. Our poor sweet boy. Thoughts on Tailgate? I <laughs> like Tailgate. Charming, cute. The only thing I find it weird is that he's been in a cave for six million years and he didn't figure out what was going outside. Well, he's been, he, he's passing out, right? Yes, he, he is going in and out and everything, but like, I would assume the war would have 
created bombs or explosions in the area he is uh, would allow him to figure out there's a war going out outside. Yeah, I'm surprised the the swarm didn't get him either. Yeah, it's like th- that's the only thing that kind of threw me off. He's like been trapped here for six million years, and he hasn't. Nobody has ever found him, and the war didn't even come close to where he is in the, the cave. Kind of makes it more tragic because no one even noticed he was gone. Can I can I throw in a cliffhanger? Yes. Well, he started underground, he ends underground. Okay, you're done. (laughs) (laughs) You're done. Uh, Which takes us to uh, Computron's favorite now, which is Whirl. Whirl, 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 Whirl. First, Computron, you want to talk about it? and then He's my favorite. Yeah. Uh, So first things first is like we, before we get to Whirl, let's talk about... um, uh, the sweep, um, Cyclonus, right? Yeah. So Cyclonus was out and about, and he runs into Whirl, and I'd like to call Whirl's meat locker. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> and he comes in, and he's like, what are you doing? And Whirl is like, immediately tackles him, and Cyclonus is like, I'm not here to fight. And Whirl's just like, too bad. I'm here to, for a fight. And so they just, you know, go at it and go at it and go at it. And lo and behold, we find Tailgate. Yeah. But uh, Whirl, he's he's the best. He's like one of the best personalities you're going to run into. uh, into (laughs) He's my favorite. So absolute favorite. So much as a favorite that I try to make Zephyr (laughs) like like Whirl. Oh, that's who your character (laughs) is based off. That makes so much sense now. (laughs) Killer. Um, I, I liked it. It was very unsettling. The first scene with all the the sweeps on the walls. And he's like just talking to himself, getting ready to torch the place. I'm like, okay, this is gonna be a fun ride. Yeah, you gotta have <laughs> your insane maniac on the crew. Uh, which yeah, takes yeah. me to my personal favorite, um, brainstorm. I want to start off that briefcase. It's gonna be fantastic. <laughs> It's good stuff, man. Yeah. Yeah. We we meet Red Alert when we meet uh, Brainstorm, which threw me off because I'm used to the Armada Red Alert. Yeah, he definitely changes form between the last couple volumes since we've seen him because he, he kind of had that same body that was built like Sideswipe and Sunstreaker, but now he's completely changed. Yeah. I'm excited. excited. Kind of also, before we kind of, if we're going through the list here, um, did we talk about Ratchet yet? We have not, not but go so ahead. So one thing I also wanted to talk about is that you see with Ratchet is that um, when he was talking to B, he was saying that his hands are, um, you know, are not going too good. And like, he's not able to save, like, especially the nail that was stuck in, you know, uh, <laughs> rigor morphous. Um, I kind of also wanted to draw attention to that. Mind explain what rigor morphous is real quick? <laughs> sure. So rigor morphous um, is essentially when is it when they keep transforming or is essentially where they transform and lock up? Kind of like rigor mortis, right? For humans, where we lock up right after a death. A little bit. It's right. It's, it's a problem with your transformation cog that causes you to transform back and forth until you die. Yeah. Yeah. That's rigor morphous. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
I guess that would be the same thing as a, a, a human stroke, maybe? I don't know. I was thinking I, I stroke or seizure. Yeah. Right? Yeah, probably this. Yeah. I won't get yeah. too much into this. But yeah, go on. You're talking about Ratchet? Yeah. Uh, so about Ratchet, um, we know that he's wanting to leave uh, Cybertron because he knows he's starting to see that he's not able to be the best uh, medic there is, even though which is kind of sad to Bumblebee because he's to him, he's like the only medic there. Um, but we're also seeing that Ratchet is having issues with his hands that I kind of want to join, you know, not join, point out now because it's going to be something we're going to see later is that um, Ratchet has hands issues. Yeah, that that's a Chekhov's gun, right? Is, isn't there a scene where he hammer, he picks up a hammer and he just hits his hand to oh, make yeah. it stop twitching? Run comic! <laughs> Run comic! No, 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 that's this one. Is that this one? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, it oh, seizes okay. up and he hits it with a hammer. So... <laughs> <laughs> Moving on, sorry. We then meet our uh, namesake of the podcast, uh, Swerve, our class clown of the franchise, if you will. I like Swerve. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know why, but Swerve gives me a vibe of a like a like a gangster, like mob boss. But he's like a mm. friendly mob boss. It's like, hey, hey, kind of like hugging everybody. And like, you know, I don't know. <laughs> uh, I always took Swerve as just like the class clown that was really good at mixing drinks. Yeah, yeah, both both are because uh, we we don't we don't know too much about him so far, so I can understand uh, Kilobyte's point of view. Uh, it's just like his personality and like his, his way he moves. It's just kind of like super friendly to everybody. Just, yeah, you know, not necessarily Absolutely. like the like he's bad mod boss, but he's kind of like just kind of like everybody's family. It's like, hey, welcome to my bar and stuff. So yeah, I can <laughs> see that at first glance. Uh, so moving on, uh, we, we meet Rom with the impressive 100 million serial code, right? Right, right, Computron? <laughs> right? Right? 100 million. Our psychiatrist of the group, which, oh boy, he, he gets a, a rough intro, doesn't he? His toys go broken. His toys go broken. He gets a rough intro, intro every time we see him. Because in the, was it Chaos? The one where we have the flashback... With, oh, you think uh, that's Megatron, him? Megatron and Impactor. You think that's wrong? Yeah. Yeah, they look a little different. Like their color palette's different, and their heads not the same. Uh, they look the same. I'll go mm. look again. But we'll put some comparison the up there. They look similar, but I don't know if they're the same bot. Anyway, <laughs> did so, you see that he has a Star Wars ship in his box? I did not. We'll have to throw that up on the YouTube version. This is good. This is good stuff. And of course, we have Rodimus, Drift, and Ultra Magnus. Ultra Magnus being a stickler for who gets to be on the part of the crew. Saying things like, he's dangerous, he's delusional, he's a liar, he's mad, etc. On top of that, we also get the classic Ultra Magnus vision. Uh, and we get to see how like he really that. feels about Rodimus and Drift, which is hilarious. Yes, yes it is. <laughs> and Computron, do you mind telling us about this very uneventful launch that Proud predicted. Oh, you mean uh, a kablooey? Yeah. So the ship went kablooey. Everybody died. The end. Yeah. Roll credits. <laughs> Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Killbite reactions? I, I find that scene very funny because Proud's like, I've got everything taken care of and the ship blows up and I'm like, 
I feel like this is a misdirect. I don't think Prowl would have killed all of those Autobots just because he wanted to prove a point. Oh, really? Yeah. You don't think Prowl would have done that? I I know he's he could do certain things for like in the war aspect, but I think in the peace, I don't think he would have killed the entire crew with Rodimus and everybody inside just to prove a point that they should have stayed here. Well, you don't you're think probably right. <laughs> <laughs> He's done worse, okay? <laughs> yeah, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Which, I, I, I know he's capable of worse, but I don't think he would have done that to fellow Autobots. So the, <laughs> the, the first comic of, of The More Than Meets the Eye leaves on a cliffhanger that won't pay off for a long time from now, but pay attention to the message that that is left in Prowl's quarters. What do you think that message is, Kilobyte? Quarters? Yeah, towards the end of this comic, um, after the explosion, of course, it's like uh, warning them not to take off. I didn't see that. Where was oh, that? boy. Sounds like someone needs to read the comics yeah. again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 Don't right. stand near the... Oh, we're getting there. We're getting there. <laughs> we're, we're getting there. We're getting there. <laughs> so, uh, the first interaction is pretty great after the hyperdrum. We see Brainstorm on comms with Rodimus saying, it's the ship genius. And I know the readers can't hear what the, the the characters sound like, but I feel like Rodimus can and is purposely saying someone else. Like, I think he says it's Perceptor or Highbrow. And then like this gets Brainstorm like, no, it's Brainstorm, you idiot. But this is where we come up with the first rule of what? What's the first rule of uh, interstellar travel? Do not stand near the quantum engine. The quantum generator? Yeah. Generator. Oh, wow. You're going to correct me on that one. You didn't even get the whole thing. (laughs) I did get it. You weren't answering. (laughs) What? I thought you wanted me to give you the name. I gave you the name. (laughs) I don't remember quotes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh man you just corrected me on a quote <laughs> i found it on the comic <laughs> oh boy this is this is this is a great episode you guys are not missing anything um so we are also introduced to a new character named skits uh who seems to be having a rough time with these unknown bots thoughts also he's got some smooth dance moves he sure does we'll, we'll, we'll see a little the best of the best later on one of his i like moves. i like the bots you like the, the the big yellow unknown bots yeah yeah fair enough so we we also get a scene because like the lost light has a mix of autobots and decepticons and one of the ones that stand out is cyclonus right he, he's joined the crew and should have Rodimus given Cyclonus a chance. What's your thoughts, Kilo? I think it's they're they're doing it's peace right now. The war is over. I think giving them a chance would uh, it's kind of the same chance they gave Drift, so people can change. Uh, especially when Cyclonus was under Galvatron's control and the uh, and D Void's control. So yeah. I think that was a good decision. I know he still has a, a chip implanted, in, so if he does cross the line, he'll activate it. But I think it was—it'll show change to everybody. 
I don't think he has a, a, a chip because the chip prevents you from transforming. And we've seen him in his alt mode already. Huh. I feel like there was an interaction between them where he says, like, I can still do something. Might be. I don't know. Uh, we'll post it up if it's there. But um, I think that'll bring change to all the new, the, the neutral, the nails, that there is change. There's still things that we could still do. And we can all be a united Cybertron again. And um, I think this is probably Computron's favorite part. Uh, what's your thoughts on Cyclonus's promise to Whirl relating to should have Rodimus given Cyclonus a chance? <laughs> So I'm going to put this out as a well. It's kind of it, it's already put out there, but I'm going to put this out there as a uh, foreshadow. Cyclonus promises to not kill World yet, but he will. Bum bum bum. What do you think, Mister Kilobyte? I think it'll be a fun fight. They do fight. Oh, it will be a fun fight for sure. Oh, it's going to be one for the books. I want to see what world is going to come up with. Because I feel like world is uh, like the Deadpool of the group. He'll come up with wacky things. <laughs> he totally is. <laughs> he's the Deadpool of the group. So he's, he's going to come up with wacky things, wacky tactics to try to defeat Cyclone. Yeah. Uh, so another thing I want to point out, which is one of my favorite interactions, is I enjoy seeing Swerve and Skids talk. While in the background, we see Tailgate is slowly transform into his alt mode because he's like just recently been repaired he's really really old so a lot of his uh transformation bits are a bit slow and you just like per panel he's just very slowly changing shape <laughs> good stuff <laughs> and it's it and it all happens because swerve wants to see his alt mode yep yeah like, hey show it to huge. me i want to see it <laughs> he's very he's a stickler for alt modes uh which which will pay off more later uh, but that's not all, folks. Uh, we discover we have an unwanted crew member on board. A Spark Eater. Not only that, but we also discover Orr, one of the duobots, broke the first rule of interstellar travel. <laughs> <laughs> they're no longer a duo. Yeah, they're more uh, uh, a Unobot? Solo. A <laughs> <laughs> single bot. But the plot thickens, and we discover Orr was in contact with Prowl. Thoughts, comments, concerns. You remember, I forgot what comic we were going over where I said we're starting to see the dark and shady version of Prowl. I feel like this is just definitely the 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 incline of how much more shady uh, Prowl can get. Yes. I'm it's loving it. It's definitely an exponential curve. But this is Kilobyte's first time. So... Um, like I said, Prowl was going to put a tracker on the engines. I don't think he would meant the ship to blow up. Mm. So, Do you still don't believe Prowl blew up the ship? Mm. No, I think the Duobot made a mistake. Mm. Interesting, interesting. Interesting. So, driving us back to the Spark Eater, uh, when Rodimus finds out there's a Spark Eater on board, his reaction is probably isn't the best, because he says to himself, cool. Like, <laughs> Rodimus, my guy, my bot. A crew member has just been killed, and this is your first reaction? Cool. <laughs> kind of shows his uh, immaturity is still at large. Yep. Rip the duobots. <laughs> yes. Uh, poor poor duobots. Um, so Ultra Magnus talks about a story on how he... Like, because everyone's still talking about Spark Eater, and they're like, ah, Spark Eaters aren't real. 
Ultra Magnus talks about a story on how he arrested a Decepticon who thought he was a Spark Eater, but his real name was Blip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was very funny. <laughs> I, I like the names that he gave himself. He's like the Dark Assassin, the Devourer of Souls, <laughs> and it's like, oh, my name is Blip. Blip. <laughs> and I remind him, my name is Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> so we we discover Chrome Dome skills of Nemo surgery. That's pronounced without the m the m is silent i kind of also wanted to uh sorry about the whole blip thing was i thought that that was when i was first reading it i thought that that was a reference to monty python you know how um (laughs) yes you you know what i mean it's like they call me tim (laughs) like you know what i mean yes that is exactly what my thoughts are too that's perfect (laughs) earth movies good stuff back to the the nemo surgery uh this panel is great so he digs into his needles into the last duobot made that may, may, so now they don't have to be separated they're now one with the allspark uh his brain is dead and the details get a little sketchy when the brain is dead which is fantastic because not only in the next panels all of the art is sketched out so we're like engaged more into what Chrome Dome is saying that the details get sketchy. Like it's literally sketchy in the next panel. I don't know. So you're saying it's sketchy, sketchy. Yes. (laughs) It looks awesome. (laughs) Fantastic. But that's not the last victim of the Spark Eater. And eventually, due to some interesting decision makings from Whirl, the Spark Eater. Gets poor, poor animus. I like the design. They die. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Whirl claims that the door was locked. Says that, oh, oh, sorry. At first I was just ignoring you. It's the auto lock and he's just in there spamming the button. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Rest in peace, uh, little animus. Uh, but Whirl decides to enact revenge on this poor little spark eater. And uh, it's a good thing Trailbreaker steps in and stops this from happening. And why is that, Computron? Mr. Trailbreaker can do a bubble. Yes. <laughs> he does the halo bubble. He's a shield. Um, He's a shield. And <laughs> he does a shield around uh, everybody and prevents the Spark Gator from getting too, too close. Well, he, and, he prevents uh, the, the missile that Whirl uh, launches at the Spark Gator. The soda missiles. Like, like we said, he's the... You know, the Deadpool of the group. Yes. Uh, what, when when asked or told that his missiles could explode half of the ship, Whirl does the classic world response. Which half? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, dude, the half that you're on. Yep. Oh. Uh, I find it interesting the Spark Eater completely ignores Brainstorm in the elevator while it's in pursuit of Skids and Ron. I specifically enjoy Brainstorm screaming out, I'm too smart to die. <laughs> What's your thoughts on this, guys? It never really got explained, did it? Um, Sort of. It'll get explained later. They say that he goes for the brightest spark. Yeah, the brightest oh. spark. I don't know what that actually means, but it looks like Rung is brighter than Brains. At least this part. And that's absolutely true. Uh, Which then, you know, we we figure out how they deal with the the, the Spark Eater. And it's 
a classic epic with high risk move from Rodimus. Rule number one. Rule number one, which is don't, don't stand next to the quantum generator. Yeah. Never stand next to the quantum generator when it's about to break the laws of physics. Which Rodimus decides to grab the Spark Eater and stand next to the quantum engines as they hyper jump. Fantastic after using wrong as bait. Um, just <laughs> got a new pair of hands. Yes, he did. But that's not the most exciting bit of this these comics. And that would be Tailgate. Our poor sweet boy decides to be a Decepticon. Boom! Comic ends. Last thoughts. Well, he decides because he he asks Cyclonus so what what's happened six millions years ago, and he gets explained like the factions and everything that's been going on. And he wants to be a Decepticon. They were, he rose up from the bottom, fight against the the hierarchy, the big bads. Convincing when you don't know the other side of the story. Yep. So, any last thoughts about this comics before we talk about Rod Stars? I don't like what they did to Drift, in the sense of his, his the way he acts. Like he's like he's acting like very, uh, kind of like. Rodimus is my hero kind of thing. And he's agreeing with Rodimus all the time. Uh, I feel like he was a little bit more serious before. So I don't know why the the shift. But uh, I don't quite like it. He's gotten more zen for sure. Computron? Uh, yeah, I'm really happy they swapped to Alex Milne. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, he's my favorite artist, man. Come on. I'm really happy they swapped our Alex Milne. Even though I do like the artist... Before Alex Mom, because I believe he was the artist that did a lot of the um, the Wrecker series. Uh, Nick Roach. Yeah, right. He did a lot of the Wreckers drawings, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I love his art. I just <laughs> man, you can't put those two next to each other because I'm always going to pick Alex Mellon. <laughs> oh my goodness. There's a there's a scene where Cyclonus and Telgates are talking about the whole what's happened. And there's an image with Megatron and a big sniper. I think that's Voss. Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, about maybe, that. I yeah. also have something written down um, right here. Was, uh, did you see the, also the image of... Um, it was Grimlock holding the Autobot badge and Decepticon badge. And he was trying to make a decision. Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. Um, My boy. And then uh, there's like the time where also where... Uh, Cyclonus was carrying uh, Tailgate t- to his room. <laughs> and he just plops him on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's like, you can just set me down here. Boom. <laughs> it's just such a great start to an amazing relationship. Oh, yeah. <laughs> They're going to be bestest friends later. I can just tell. Yeah. <laughs> so, Rod Star rating. I'll go ahead and take the lead. I'm going to give this 4.5 out of 5. Good stuff. Uh, I'll give it a four, just a solid four for me. I will agree with you, and I'll give it a four five. It was very fun. Well, I really enjoyed it. Can't wait for the journey. Yeah, it's going to be a good time. But listeners, what did you think of these comics? How many Rod Stars would you give it? Let us know by leaving a comment below. And remember, the first rule of Interstellar is... Never stand next to a quantum generator. when It's about to flout the laws of... Flout? Flot? Laws of physics? Yeah, I don't know. Yes, brought the break. Sure. We'll, we'll keep that one. Good. All right. 
Let's talk about the current giveaway we are doing. In celebration of season two of the podcast, we'll be doing a new giveaway. Kilby, do you mind telling the listeners on how they can enter and win this amazing Transformer figure that I am jealous of because I do not have one and I love it entirely. Take it away. Okay, so we're going to be doing a giveaway for a Transformers 86 line jazz toy. So if you haven't gotten one, this is your chance to, to win one. Uh, the giveaway will run for six weeks and the winner will be announced on the Earth calendar month and date, January 24th, 2022. And here is how to enter. First, you will need to subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us on Twitter, uh, each for a single entry. Uh, so that'll give you two points if you do both. And then you can earn bonus entries to win by leaving comment or retweeting this episode. And to everybody out there, good luck. Yeah. And of course, if you would like to give us a shout out or talk to us, you can send us an email at swervesbarpodcast at gmail.com. So... Are you guys ready for Transformers Robots in Disguise Volume 1? Ready? Yes. All right, Computron. You mind taking us out? Yes. If you enjoyed this episode, considering sharing it with your friends and subscribing. We hope you all are staying safe out there. And thank you so much for listening. Till all are one. Till all are one. Till all are one. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Swerves Bar Podcast. You can also find us on Twitter at Swerves Bar. If you are interested in more content, try checking out the spinoff D&D Transform and Rollout Rise of the World Killers. Let's tune in for a preview now. I too live in a small yes. town. I'm just a lonely girl <laughs> living in a lonely world. I took the midnight train going anywhere. Uh, <laughs> did you see streetlights? That is the intro. <laughs> what about people? <laughs> no, they're all Decepticons. Oh, Whoa. Okay. Whoa. Rude. That escalated quickly. <laughs> oh, you're going to edit that one out, man. <laughs> <laughs> This is one of the most entertaining D&D games I've been in in a while. I'm just going to say. <laughs> Exhilarating. There is also a YouTube channel with bonus content. Link will be provided below. End transmission.